It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan, one hundred percent engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself and Simon spoke about Rangers thrashed by PSV out of the Champions League. Is this a club going forward under Michael Beale? The Premier League sets a new summer transfer record exceeding last summer's 1.92 billion. What do these figures tell us about the global landscape of football? Should Liverpool cash in on Mo Salah? Graham Souness joins the show. And we preview Chris Eubank Jr. against Liam Smith. The rematch live on Talk Sport this Saturday night. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. Rangers, though, last night in Europe, not a good look, not a good result. Hammered 5-1 by PSV Eindhoven, and that effectively ended any hopes of Champions League football for them this season. It's the Europa League for them, and afterwards, Michael Beale said, <clears throat> Sorry, everyone. Over the two legs, the better team have gone through. It's clear that they're a very, very good team. I'm bitterly disappointed. can apologise to the fans for the, the, the scoreline this evening. I felt it was harsh in moments because I thought the players give everything they gave and uh, we get back to 2-1 and again we concede from a set play in a really crucial moment. There's things that we need to go back and work on. The first person that will look in the mirror is of course myself, I'm the person that, that leads the team. Um, I think the objectives going into this first international break was obviously to go in in the, in the quarter-final of the cup, which we are. It was to qualify for the Champions League, we've fallen short. And the third was to be top of the league going into the international break. That's got to be our focus now, there can't be any hangover. The time for me to pick the bones out of this and for everyone will be next week in the international break. The focus right now is to, to recover in time for the weekend. We need to... We need to respond. It's the best game to have, really. I think we played against an excellent team tonight and clearly in one or two areas, certainly with the two forwards, Saibari and De Jong, they were just too strong for us to hold on to. OK, well, I mean, PSV, I would doubt, will go all that deep in this tournament. And Rangers have now dropped out, Simon. It's immensely disappointing for everybody attached to the football club. And it's immensely disappointing for Beal. And you can hear it in his voice, but I think quite simply, it's back to the drawing board, even this L, we're about to go into September, and Rangers are not good enough. Well, that's that's about long, short and tall of it, isn't it? At this level, at the Champions League level, and we'll see how Celtic get on, because what they have at this moment in time 
is the right of passage into the group stage as a result of winning the league. But let's be clear, I mean, Gianni Van Bronckhurst uh, and his side last year performed poorly and ultimately cost his job in the Champions League. And he also performed poorly in some of the press conferences he did where he seemed to wave the white flag in a certain mentality. But Celtic didn't pull up any trees either um, in the Champions League. Celtic dined out on the performance against Real Madrid. The rest of the time, they didn't do very much in that Champions League either. And the tragedy is, as much as we may want this Scottish League to be competitive and we may want this Scottish League to be what it was once before, producing these wonderful players that came through it, and one of them we'll hear from this morning, Graham, Mm. but that time has changed. The economics of football have changed and the Scottish Leagues have been left behind. And surviving on broadcast deals of £30 million shared across 40 clubs is not going to enhance the opportunity for the Scottish clubs to get any better. I don't think they should not be able to produce young players because ultimately academies are there and development opportunities are there and Scottish people want to play football and young Scottish kids want to play. Yeah. But when you get to the competitive end of professional football and you're competing against the elite, whether Scots like it or not, they are, they are a mile off. And you'll get these moments where the Battle of Britons will occur. Yes, yeah, and yeah. levels will be found yeah. because of the spirit of the game. They can raise their game because they can raise their game. But yeah. when it comes to this situation, right. tragically, the Rangers of the world are are not amongst the discussion when it comes to competing in significant European football. Mm. Now, a couple of years ago, they did very well in the Europa League, so it tells you that they can compete. But when you step into the Champions League world, they're a mile off. Yeah. Uh, Sunis spoke to us earlier on. Later on this morning, you're going to hear on, from Graham Sunis uh, on Liverpool, on the possibility, the prospect of Mo Salah leaving in this window. Could it happen? It might. But on Rangers and on Michael Beale, Sunis opened up, especially off the back of that PSV result last night. Well, I think he, he you know, he's been there before with Steven Gerrard, so he knows the pressures that come with being in the hot seat at Glasgow Rangers. Getting beat up in midweek ain't good for him. Getting if they came unstuck on on Sunday, that would put him under a hell of a lot of pressure. He's a new man, you know. He's a he's a relative newcomer to to the hot seat. I've been there, Jim. I've managed big football clubs, and Rangers as big as any. The pressures that come with that job are enormous, and he's got to batten down the hatches and take it on the chin, and because we get a lot of criticism this morning, and just keep believing in what he's doing. Do I believe in him long term? I, I I wouldn't be critical of him. I think it's a hard job. I know how difficult that job is. And we've got to give him time to get his his, his team thinking the way he wants them to think and play the way the way he wants them to play. But it's not it's not an easy job he's got. Not an easy job he's got. Is it a club going forward under Michael Beale, though? That's a big question this morning, Simon. You know how big this football club is. Celtic and Rangers are giants. They really are giants. Is it going forward? Is a club going forward under Beale? Um, I don't think it's just about Beale, though, is it? I think it's about um, Rangers as a football club full stop. Beale is a component part of it. Um, and and the argument will be how much enhancement has he brought to the Gianni Van Bronckhurst project and what did Gerard do when he caught Celtic in a moment where they might have been asleep at the wheel? They regained their poise and all of a sudden Celtic have got the momentum. Um, I don't think they're going forward. I'm not entirely sure they're going backwards. Um, but I guess if you stand still, eventually you go backwards. And they've got themselves into a Champions League qualification position. They had their heads handed to them. Um, and they'll go into the Europa League. The question will be asked, how do they compete in the Europa League? Because obviously they've been in the Europa League before. They've been very significant in the Europa League 
in the last time they were there. Mm. So there's no real reason why they shouldn't be again uh, taking that opportunity. And we'll ask the question then: if that, if that, if they, if they fall out very early in the Europa League, what does that mean to them then? But there's nothing about Rangers right now. I'm not an admirer of this fella, and you know I'm not because I think he. He runs with the hare and hunts with the hounds. But that could be laid at the door of many football managers. And one moment he was staying with QPR when they gave him an opportunity. The next moment he was out the door to what he considered to be a bigger, better deal. So he needs to get his... He knows what the task is. His task is to make Rangers better than Celtic. That's his predominant task. Europa, European, European football is um, is a cherry on a cake that gives you more revenue. But the reality of it is, is that most Scottish fans are... I have a tacit acceptance it's a challenge getting the Champions League but the big battle in terms of in term Rangers and Celtic fans the big battle is if you can can you come out on top against Celtic Jason's a big Rangers fan Jason good morning what's your take on it? Good morning I just actually think it's embarrassing uh, I mean I don't I mean I'm not saying Zach you know Mr Bill I just think he's got a lot he seems to do a lot of the talking but he's not doing the walking and he keeps telling us about how the players are gelling to gel and all the rest of it. That's in midfield and the strike force. My problem is that uh, I have a problem with Tavenier because X amount of managers, I think we've had three, four, five managers, you know, with the same player. You know, he has done well in the past. But the ironic thing is, I don't know any other team that has different managers that have been sacked, left, and you've kept with the same defence. Now, I watched that game last week with Einhoven. Every time that Rangers seem to go up and we do the hard work of scoring a goal, we lose such easy goals we lose. I mean, mm, it's mm. pathetic. And I just wanted to get to you two guys and say, do you not think part of the problem is now Tavenier, he's done as well, but he's not good enough to hold that defence, right? Because at the end of the day, you've seen it last week, Connor Golson's covering for Tavenier. And Tavernier's cost us three goals yesterday. Three goals. Right? Yeah, I, d- I don't think you can put it down to the feet of one player, to be honest, Jason. But I know what you're saying. In, 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 in any rate, Simon, the, the bottom line is, I think Jason feels that in terms of in terms of standard, in, st- in terms of range, where Rangers need to be, the quality of the player isn't there. Yeah, but that argument is then sort of... At Champions League level, yes, but their argument is sort of... a dis- Banded by the fact they got to the Europa final mm. um, two years ago or 18 months ago. And so they were good enough to p- beat some of these sides that will have been in the Champions League themselves and perhaps done more than Rangers. I think at this moment in time, there is a, there is, there is a level at Scottish football that isn't uh, amongst the two. I don't, I don't even think Celtic has started great this season either. Um, but I think that Rangers, um, as an as a as a as a as an entity, if you look at their turnover, and again I make the point about teams like Shakhtar Donetsk, because you know a lot was made of, I and mean, I'm a big fan of Antipostokoglu's, but a lot was made about Rangers as absolute car crash of a Champions League contribution last season in the group stages and and Celtic seemed to have gotten away with a pass because they had one decent performance against Real Madrid, but they didn't do much better either. And that is ultimately, that's the level that they're at. And I think there has to be a tacit acceptance that Champions League football at this moment in time for Scottish football, and and, and to be honest, why shouldn't it be? You even look at the Dutch. Look at the Dutch league. The Eredivisie gets 170 million euros a season for the Eredivisie. The Scottish football gets 30 million for all uh, four divisions. Yeah, sure. sure. And the comparison is simply... 
unfair. Well, yeah, but Jason, if you're still with us, the bottom line is you guys, quite rightly, in my view, don't want to accept that the Champions League's well, a bridge too it's, far. It's not. It's not the fact that I don't accept it, right? Because people say, "Oh, yeah, we're better off in the Europa League." But the ironic thing is, it's not the fact that we get beat by PSV, because I predicted it last week after watching that, it's the manner of goals that we're losing. It's the it's the childish goals that we're losing. Yes. It's not the fact that you get beat by a better team. Yeah. It's the goals that we're losing, right? The, I mean, Jason, actually, just as you talk there, mate, there's, there's a, a really good line from a, a listener, Frank McKenzie, up in Glasgow. Um, Beal's out his depth at this time, but the thing is, no direction. We need a defensive coach. Somebody's got to work in these defenders and exclusively on these defenders. You agree with that? Yes, absolutely, mm. because you, you see the thing is, we're relying on Tavernier to go up and score goals, <laughs> go up there, score. But you see the thing about yeah. it is, we did the hard work last week, right? And we lost two goals within five minutes. We, we, we've been doing that from last season. We're still doing it. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. So the Premier League have already set a new summer transfer record, exceeding last summer's £1.92 billion, breaking through the £2 billion barrier for the first time. Um, it is quite remarkable. The Premier League leads away. £2.1 billion spent, yep. and it's not done yet. It's not done yet. Who comes in at second? The new kids in the block. You guessed it. The Saudis. They've already spent £728 million in this window. And then a long way behind them, Syria and the Bundesliga. Even further behind them, Liga, um, and way behind everybody else, La Liga. So the Premier League and the Saudis lead the way by considerable distance. What do these figures, Simon, tell us about the global landscape of football? Where's this going? Um... Well, it t I mean, put aside the Saudi situation because we know what that is. We know that they are trying to build a league. They have an appetite for it. Their motivations uh, and why the trigger point is now, um, I don't know. Maybe the World Cup and in another part of the Middle East drove them to start to say, well, hang on a second, we're not getting left behind. So you take the 720... We can't dismiss them, though. I, I don't dismiss them. But well, I, you just I, said put aside the Saudis I, for now. But I put aside... You the can't. They're in town. But I put it, yeah, because it's a new revenue stream that, that incorporates into the argument the levels of spend across the marketplace. You've got outliers like Chelsea. I mean, what have they spent in this transfer window? 300 million again? So Chelsea and their propensity to spend in the fashion that they have because you've got a different sort of ownership thought process going on with Todd Bowley has predominantly the reasons why transfer transfer spend records are being broken now because Chelsea are the ones that are creating that. If Chelsea spent their customer 150 million quid, we'd be in the territory of not breaking records, not breaking 2 billion quid and staying in the sort of territory where it's been for the last few years. Um, so where it, what it tells you is that there is a lot of money um, in and around football going into transfer fees I'd be very interested to see what the statistics were like in terms of the of the um, the increase in wages um, against the transfer fee spend, but it tells you that the Premier League is still the dominant force because it's got the dominant broadcast deal. When we talk about the force of the Saudis, well, this is their moment to make their mark. This is their time. Yeah, but you we get the impression they've only just started. Well, maybe we'll see. We'll, we will see. We'll see how the how the landscape when we start to see this massive interest in the Saudi. Pro League that diminishes the moment the transfer window turns off. Yeah, but the Simon, be, be honest with me. Uh, say three or four months ago, did you honestly think for one moment we'd be talking about Saudi Arabia spending 728 million quid 
in the summer transfer window. I they weren't even in the conversation. I didn't have any figures in my mind of what they spent, but what I did hear from them was they were going to make their league very aggressive and they were going to try and buy their way into football. And so from the standing, standing start position, given the fact that they have no parameters, if you want to turn it on its head, right, let's do it another way, they have no governance, no constraints, no financial obligations and no lack of resources. So I don't actually think spending 728 million quid is as huge a bit of news as we would like to make it for the purpose of this discussion because they're starting from a very different position with a very different set of agendas, with a very different set of social economics, with a very different set of governance. So big deal. They spent a third of the Premier League. They're talking about spending yeah, 17, 17 billion. Well, you'd be billion. saying big deal when they lead the way in the Christmas window. Well, when they've outspent the Premier League. Well, you mean in, in January when when we see um, them being... In January. At, when we see the all the off-casts that the Premier League clubs don't want, that they'd be glad to get rid of, being chucked out to the boneyard of Saudi. Fantastic. If it's a dumping ground for for talent that we don't want, and if it's going to help keep... If, if you're going to pay £120, £130 million pounds for Mo Salah at 31 years of age, mm. then you are actually, by effect, helping the Premier League to strengthen itself. Because yeah, but you're unlike the Premier revenue. League, they're doing this without a TV deal. But they're doing it by a different set of governance. They don't need the, the TV deal underpins the ecosystem of the Premier League, of Syria, R, of La Liga, but it doesn't underpin Saudi football. What underpins Saudi football is oil and their desire to make themselves utilise football as a gateway for whatever other agendas they may or may not have. But I, I say again, though, you could not have expected, no one could have expected Saudi Arabia. Why? To be the second biggest spenders Why? in this summer so, transfer so, so, window. So let's, so let's get this right. We are... We're Weeks in, ago, you can have named a club in Saudi we're Arabia. We're embarking on a, a sort of tipping our cap to the profligacy and the ridiculousness of their transfer policy. You've got they're, to tip your gonna, cap to them. They're no, second in spend. I don't tip my cap to... Is it good spend? Is it? Have they spent well? Because we're quite happy to turn around and say that Todd Bowley's a buffoon for overpaying left, right and centre. Aren't these guys doing precisely that? There's nothing admirable about getting an average Premier League footballer and giving him £15 million a year. Well, let me turn it on his head. The £2.1 million spend by the Premier League... Is billion. That, it, billion. Is that, is that admirable? It's comparable to the, re, to the, to the relative is value... Is it admirable? To the relative value, it's the marketing cost of a five, six billion pound a year league. What's a Saudi league worth? Sod all. <laughs> it's worth sod all. No, it's not admirable. It's comparable, I said, Luke. So chop, get your little is bit it out. Get, but it's is it admirable? It's a cost of business in the Premier No, I don't think it's admirable. I think transfer fees are obscene. But if you look at it and say you've got a five billion pound um, industry spending two billion pounds on transfer fees and the average transfer fee is depreciating the average value of that is depreciating of so it's costing the Premier League four hundred million a year in depreciation. So less than ten percent of its turnover is going in because you, you buy a footballer for two billion for, you buy two billion pounds of a footballers on day one, all you've done is exchange cash for a footballer. So the value's still there. What you're actually losing is four hundred million a year. So four hundred million a year in losses on transfer fees against a five billion pound revenue generation. I don't think that's bad. What's the Saudi comparison? Sod all. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. 
Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Earlier on this morning, I spoke to former Liverpool captain Graham Souness, of course, a man who at one time in his career uh, also ma- not only managed Liverpool, but managed Rangers. Uh, he also, at the start of his playing career, uh, had a spell at Tottenham. So very shortly, you'll hear Souness on Salah and uh, Postacoglu. Souness, incidentally, for the record, was working this morning as part of Skybet's Real Football's Number Ones campaign, recognising the unsung heroes in the game of football. So Souness now coming up on Salah and Postacoglu at Tottenham. But first, on that fairly humiliating 5-1 defeat for Rangers last night, his former club, the club he claims to support, over in Eindhoven. Uh, well, they've got a new manager and he's obviously trying to implement new ideas on the group he's working with. He's got some new faces, well, several new faces. But I think prior to the game last night, Jim, I, I watched both games and, and in the first game, they got away with it. You know, they were a good team, PSV, on the front foot. Weren't so good at defending. They'll get beat up a few times in the Champions League, I would think, by the better teams. But it was just a step too far for this Rangers team. You know, he's, he's brought new players in. It's still very early to pass judgment on them in, in terms of how they'll do in the, in the, the Scottish Premier League. But it's a t- it was a tough one to take last night. You know, I'm a Rangers supporter um, and it was hard. It was a hard watch. Do you have faith in Michael Beale? Even if they were to lose to Celtic this Sunday, well, I think he, he, you know, he's been there before with Steven Gerrard, so he knows the pressures that come with being in the hot seat at Glasgow Rangers. Getting beat up in midweek ain't good for him. Getting if they came unstuck on on Sunday, that would put him under a hell of a lot of pressure. He's a new man, you know. He's a he's a relative newcomer to to the hot seat. I've been there, Jim. I've managed big football clubs, and Rangers as big as any. The pressures that come with that job are enormous. And he's got to batten down the hatches and take it on the chin and because we're getting a lot of criticism this morning and just keep believing in what he's doing. Do I believe in him long term? I, I, I wouldn't be critical of him. I think it's a hard job. I know how difficult that job is. And we've got to give him time to get his, his, his team thinking the way he wants them to think and play the way, the way he wants them to play. But it's not, it's not an easy job he's got. Is it must win for him on Sunday? Um, it's a must not lose game, I think. Graham, deadline day, fast approaching. 
And one big story is just not going away. Mo Salah and Saudi Arabia interest is expected. It's expected. Al-Itihad will bid £118 million. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But if they do, is that too big a bid for Liverpool to turn down? Obviously, if you were to leave, it would put an enormous dent in their hopes and aspirations for this season. Enormous. They'll be looking at what is he going to be worth in a year's time? They might be saying to him, give us another year because Liverpool are in transition and they were fabulous last weekend at Newcastle. I thought they were, you know, the 10 men who stayed on were just fabulous. I think the manager's tactics were spot on. Whether the storm get Nunes on late and you couldn't have scripted it any better. So they'll be thinking, a, if we get rid of him, the damage it does, that that would be a, an easy thing to calculate. You're taking 20 goals plus out of your team. Where's it going to, where are you going to be? Who's going to get those goals if he was to go? They are hard-nosed businessmen from North America. They will be thinking, a year from now, what sort of money would we get for Mo Salah? Would the money still be there? Could Mo Salah get an injury? Could Mo Salah have a poor season? So I wouldn't be surprised if they took the money. I'd be disappointed as a Liverpool supporter, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised. There's no obvious replacement. You can go out and, and guarantee 20 goals a season and, and what is the hardest league to play in for a striker. It's one to watch, Jim. Do they have the requisite firepower if they were to sell them at this stage? Have they got enough? No, it's not. I really like Jota. Nunes, you know, maybe he's had a year to look at it now. It might be a more consistent goal scorer for them. They certainly have goals in the team, but it's Mo Salah has been their main goal getter for the last, what, five years or so. Uh, any team would miss him. But it's a bit like Spurs, isn't it? Harry Kane, people are saying, oh, well, Spurs are going right now. Just hold your horses. You will miss Harry Kane's goals. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Brace yourselves, Liverpool. A bit of 115 million, 118 million plus is set to come in from the Saudi club Al Etihad for Mohamed Salah. Uh, the the bid is yet to happen, but apparently it is being made and it is ready to be fired at Liverpool. Well, they're sending it by carrier pigeon. How long does it take? <laughs> what will Liverpool and what will FSG's reaction be to that? And Liverpool fans, more importantly, would you be sorry to see Salah go? Of course you would, but for money like that. Can they really say no? Sean's a big Liverpool fan. Sean, good morning. What's your take on it? Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Simon. Morning, Sean. Morning, Sean. He's okay. Uh, my take, I would be sorry to see him go. I really would. I think he's irreplaceable. 20 to 30 goals a season for five consecutive seasons. I think 130 million this late in the winter doesn't do it. No. Doesn't, even 130 million wouldn't do it for you? No, nothing more. He's, he's a legend. He's a legend of our club for what he's done for us. He's consistent, never injured. You can't replace him this late in the winter, Jim. Good call, Sean. Thank you for that. I wonder if Steve agrees with that. Another Liverpool fan. So many Liverpool fans calling in at this stage. Steve, what, what do you want to say? Good morning. Hi, guys. Hi, great show. Good, thanks, Steve. Thanks. Where are you with this? I was 100% cashing. I think you can't turn that, you can't turn that money down. Um... Need, we need to strengthen other areas. Midfield defence is, is is weak in my opinion. We've got enough. We've got Diaz, Jota, um, Gakpo, Nunes, yeah. And we've got a young Scottish lad, Jim Dowach. He is quality. Yes, He'll yes, I've heard about him. Star. Yeah, yeah. Potentially so you... reinvest, 
Mid- uh, midfield, defence, even looks to push trend. We've got another two good lads. Um, I think it's Bradley and Ramsey, another Scottish, another Scottish one you love. So I think invest in the right areas, cash in, and times change, times move on. Well, the trouble on. is, Steve... The difficulty for you guys, which is the part that I can't f- um, get my head around, is how this deal happens now when it gives Liverpool no opportunity to reinvest. Yeah. Because you're now on the 31st of August. It's OK for the Saudis because their transfer window stays open until the 7th of September. But ours closes. So the moment Liverpool sell Mo Salah, you've got what you've got. And all the reinvestment ideals that you think your team needs are for the birds because they can't do anything. Yeah, well, I mean... Yes, that, I mean that's, that's, I'm seeing, I think we're linked to um, the midfielder from uh, Bayern. If they get the deal with Fulham over the line, we, we potentially might get him. So there's another option. Okay, listen, that, Steve. I, thank I, you I, for I, that. I you say cash in though. If it's 130 million cash in, oh, yeah, million percent. Times move on. All right, Steve. Thanks for that, Gary. Another Liverpool fan. Steve saying cash in. Colin before that said over my dead body. Don't sell him. What's your taking it, Gary? Sell him. <laughs> that kind of money, sell him. I mean, it's crazy you know, money, he's, Gary, right? He's, 30, he's 31 years old. He's done us proud. Don't get me wrong. You know what I mean? We're going to miss him. All right. I wasn't a Scouse accent, was it? Mind you, you don't need to be a Scouse accent to support Liverpool. David, big Liverpool fan. David, uh, what Gary said just before he drifted off was sell him. Do you agree? 100%. 100% get rid of him. Really? Get rid of him? I mean, you... you, yeah, say, you sure, the timing's terrible. The timing's terrible. We all know that. But he's 31 years old. To be fair, he hasn't been the same since he came back from the um, African Championships. And uh, he, he loses the ball too much. Yes, he scored goals. Yes, he does. But nobody's irreplaceable. Nobody. And in fact, I'd invest the money in a right back as well. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. He's the current undefeated Super Bantamweight champion of the Europe. Making his fourth defense, would you please welcome from Barney, where he is known as the Ooh Spencer. I thought, I wonder if that announcer gets royalties. From Barnett? Anybody ever thought that? From Barnett? Is that what he's... That's from Barnett. Yeah, it's he's from Barnett. Unfortunate, given the weave, isn't it? Yeah, little Spencer Oliver is with us. Well, he's with us, <laughs> but not with us. He's up in, in Manchester, of course. We'll speak to Spencer in just a second. Why Manchester? Because that is the scene on Saturday. Chris Eubank Jr. takes on Liam Smith in the rematch in a fight you can hear live on TalkSport. I won't be able to live with myself if I don't write this wrong. He lost to a fellow called uh, Mr. Smith. That wasn't on my watch. Smith caught him in the corner. He dropped him with the left hand. And then it was all over. You are the better man. As of right now, I don't believe he is. We thought. But I am, though, I? As of right now, I am. I don't believe you are. I am, not. That was utterly, utterly extraordinary. So did you overlook me, Chris? Did you have a tough weight cut? Was it an elbow? Or did the referee stop you too soon? There's no excuses. Let's go! Yodorin being forced backwards, and a thunderous left hook sent into the canvas. Oh, he's done a brilliant left hook from Liam Smith. It was everything that we expected. I think it's a bigger fight this time. Follow all the action here live on TalkSport. Let's go! Wow. 
Wowzer. Looking forward to it. Mr. Jordan is going to be ringside. So too will Spencer. Spencer, good afternoon to you. G gentlemen, how are we both doing? Good. Very good to be speaking to you, Spence. Yesterday was the open workout. Um, what did you see and how did they look? Well, I've got to say, I think both guys looked, looked tremendous, actually, when they got in the ring. Chris Eubank, you know, he said to me, actually, for the first time in his life, he's felt like he's been backed up in a corner and he actually feels the pressure going into this one. You know, he, need, he knows he needs a win here. This is, uh, you know, determining what happens in the rest of his career, even if he ever boxes again. He knows this. So for the first time, he feels the pressure. He looked in phenomenal shape, by the way, as did Liam Smith. Liam Smith had a great turnout coming there. And surprisingly, actually, when I spoke to most people that were in the crowd, 50 50 plus percent said that they thought Eubank could win the rematch, which really surprised me. And Simon, I think you're going down a similar road at the moment. I think there is a, a, a real need for Chris Eubank Jr. to win this fight. I think ultimately um, the challenge of the weight will still prove the same challenges that he had before, which is a reduction in his, in his resistance. But I think there's a part of me that doesn't have a logic in it because I, th I picked Liam Smith against the odds last time round and Liam Smith has, has made his point. So psycho psychologically wise, he's in Chris Eubank's head. Um, I've just got a feeling that this may go the way of Eubank just got a feeling no logic behind it besides yeah. the fact that something different is going to happen in this fight in the first time I mean what people are asking me Spencer is logically what can Eubank Jr. do that's going to be any different from first time it's around well, this, this is it, Jim. That is, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? What can Eubank do differently? I mean, he's now teamed up with Bo Mack, the trainer of Terence Crawford. He's gone to taking himself over to Las Vegas. They've only been together six weeks. Now, I spoke to Bo Mack yesterday and said to him, listen, what can you do differently in this short space of time that's not going to confuse Chris Eubank Jr. and he's going to be able to implement into his style and take in there um, tactically and do the job? And he said, listen, we are not going to change anything with him. He said, it's very very simple what we're going to do back to basics it's all about Chris Eubank Jr switching on for three minutes of each round he said the problem he had last time he was trying to adopt that Roy Jones sort of style he was throwing shots sitting in the pocket and as we know with Liam Smith he's a guy that likes to throw shots when shots are being thrown at him so I think for Eubanks the tactics are going to be back to basics switching on for three minutes of each round and, and fighting fire with fire that's what he needs to do a lot on the line here for Eubank it's not about Liam Smith and what he needs to change because if it ain't broke don't fix it Liam knows that he's going to do what he does he walks the opponents down hands high and when they get inside he likes to work the body well and he throws good combination punches and like I say he's dangerous you know when, when, when on defence he's dangerous on the offence and um, it's just all about Eubank and what he can change in this short space of time but I'm with Simon as in, I think it's going to be a much better fight than the first one. I think complacency played a big part in, with Eubanks. He's admitted that himself. But I'm not sure that he can do it at this stage Spence. of his career against someone like Liam Smith, who I think's got just enough. Spence, isn't the, um, the unfathomable question about Chris Eubank Jr.'s resistance because we've seen him go in with heavy-handed yes. people before, whether it be George Groves, who hits much harder than Liam Smith, whether it be Arthur Abraham, yeah. who hits much harder than Liam Smith, and shown none of the fragility that he showed in this fight. Now, a lot of that was attributed to the weight cut and the preparation for two camps and obviously the Conor Ben situation that never manifested itself. Can you... Do you... Did he get old overnight in that fight? in terms of his inability to resist? Well, this, this, or was it a cut, a situation I around get, weight cuts? 
again, Simon, that's what we that's what we're gonna find out. You know, when we go into this into this fight, when that first bell rings, that's what we're gonna find out. You know, there's many rumors circulating, by the way, guys, that Chris Eubank is struggling to make this weight of 160, and that will be a factor in his punch resistance if it's well it was. Because that fight, last fight against Liam Smith, we saw a real vulnerability around him. You know, he looked, there was a fragile look around him. Every time he got hit, he looked like he was getting shook to his boots, whether that was a jab, a right cross, the punch resistance seems to have left him. Now that happens when a fighter gets old. You know, father time waits for no one. And I think that's what we're going to find out going into this contest because Liam Smith is oozing confidence right now and Eubanks is a guy that knows that he needs to bring it and he's got to put the heat on but can he take the shots? Punch resistance and punch durability is what we're going to find out on um, Saturday night but that's a great point that you made there Simon because I don't know how much of a uh, factor this making the weight is or whether he'll make 160 at all. What, what do you think Liam Smith's going to do differently? If anything, what does he need to do differently? Nothing. Jim, Jimmy doesn't need to do anything differently. Liam Smith's going to do what he's done through his whole career, and that's basically walk forward. Right. So the first, a lot of people are reading into the first couple of rounds that Liam Smith lost to Chris Eubank, and Eubank had a good third round where he was landing the uppercuts. But Liam Smith is notorious for giving those first two or three rounds away whilst he's working his opponent out before he starts setting traps, before he twists a screw, and that's basically what he done against Eubank. You know, and he's great at that. He's going to walk forward hands high, he's just going to be cutting the ring down, forcing Eubank to work when he doesn't want to work, and he'll be working the body and putting those combination punches together. So he needs to change nothing. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show.